All right, welcome to Golf Brain, episode four. I'm Nick Zoller. I'm Blake Ringfish. And today we're going to get into varying topics, um, some live questions that were not so live because some people asked us um, over the phone that we're going to answer on our episode four, and we're going to get into how different players prepare for big tournaments and how you can prepare for any tournament. Let's get into the questions. All right, so I'll, I'll ask you these questions, Blake, as if though they were the person asking. Craziest thing you've ever seen on the golf course? I saw a guy wreck a cart into a pond. I watched him. He was so belligerently drunk that he wrecked the cart into the pond. We had to pull the, pond, pull the cart out of the pond with a tractor. That, um, that is kind of, kind of nuts. Is that pretty cool or not? <laughs> that is pretty cool. I also heard a story that someone at Wheeling Country Club that was working there left a electric e-brake cart unattended and it rolled down 18 into the woods and it, was, in fact was so deep in there that they totaled a cart. Yes. That's just a, a myth. I think the craziest thing I've ever seen is someone on the driving range get so mad that they launched the uh, bag holder into the pond and I watched it all happen. That is interesting. And my boss looked at me as I'm making $9 an hour, and he's like, hey, can you go and talk to him and ask him why he just did that? And I was like, that is way beneath my pay grade. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably his job, you know? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But So that is our answer to what that's what the craziest things we've seen on the golf course. What is the most irritating thing that has happened to you on the golf course? I hate when people play music. I hate it. In, like, scrambles and Anything. everything? Okay. Golf is not to be played with music. I can definitely, I can definitely get down with that. It does alter my focus because I'm just thinking about the song that's playing. Yeah. Not my golf swing. Especially if it's too loud. Like if it's loud music, I, I don't, I won't even play with you. Like, I'll just go home. This is probably the most basic answer, but I hate slow play. Yeah. I hate waiting for people yep. in front of me, and I hate watching them on the green, taking years and years and years. It's extremely frustrating. And I think every single college tournament we play at is the slowest round of golf I've ever played in my life. Yeah, but we're high-level competitive players. Like, we play at a pretty high level. And I've played in, like, public rounds where you get behind people that aren't even playing for anything. And they're lining up six-footers like it's to win the Masters. Like, we line up our putts in college tournaments the same we line them up whenever we have... I mean, obviously there's a little bit more on it. But, like, I would say within 15 seconds of each other we have the same exact like i read it the same no matter what like i understand more I so during college tournaments of why yeah. we take our time but when i go out there on a round just to practice and i'm playing slow and i understand if it's a weekend too people are getting out there that's fine but when it's like a monday and i'm out there at four o'clock after work and billy bob joe is sitting on the green with him and his three cousins who don't know how to putt, and I'm sitting there for six hours, it's enraging. You can only read a putt for so long. Like, you can only read so much into a putt. At some point, it starts to it begins to hurt you. Like, you can read a putt for too long. It, you start seeing breaks that aren't there. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what's the most irritating thing I've seen in the golf course. And what would you say you do to prepare for a big tournament? I'm... I'm a perfectionist, so everything has to be exactly the way I want it to be before I go. So, I, if it takes five hours on the range hitting wedges, I'll take five hours and go down the range and hit wedges and not pick up another club. 
and then I'll hit some other clubs to make sure everything's okay, and then it's up to the putting green for as long as it takes to make however many putts I decide I need to make. So I'm very the the two days before a tournament are very in. I would say I would say I'm very active those two days trying to f- get everything figured out and get everything ready to go. I I'm a crammer, so I do everything at once. Okay. I'd say. So are we going base like like two days before the tournament? What we're we doing? Probably. I would say a week. Yeah. Okay. So I'd say the week of a big tournament, and we're in this week right now yeah. of a big tournament. I, I honestly don't do anything different, like much different than I would if it's if I have an off week because I, I like keeping it the same and I trust that my skills didn't just go away overnight and that's something that I think is important for all golfers is what you've learned the day before, it may not work the same the next day, but that golfer that succeeded the day before is still there. Um, and that's a confidence thing that you need to carry over every day. If you go out and shoot 71 and then the next day you go out and shoot 89, it's uh, it's, it's quite all right because that golfer that shot 71 is still in there and you can still produce that any day of the week. And that's kind of how I, I prepare. I think about the same things. I practice the same amount. And maybe the day before I hit more wedges than I do usually or maybe I hit more putts than I do usually. Or drivers, you know. It's just a constant rotation of, of what I think is successful for me and what makes me feel the most confident. So I'm really just a confidence field player. I base everything off of like a strength and weakness profile. So if it's something strong going into, I'll make sure that's sharp early in the day on most days. Keep that sharp. And then the weaknesses will be ironed out throughout the week for the longest time that I can. Yeah, that's, I mean, two very different perspectives of pre-tournament rounds is you is what you're listening to right now and that's really important because i don't think you have to have a set thing you don't listen whatever works for you exactly if you go my swing coach told me some guys like would he would take them out and get them drunk the night before because that's the only way he calm their nerves down and it worked for them that's what worked for them and then he also told me there's guys that need to go out there and play 36 holes and then go to the range for three hours that's me he also said there's some people that just do the same thing that they do all the time and just have a routine and make sure that, that that's what they, they have that they can go to at all times. And everybody's different, so. Yeah, there's a reason that you don't see every single PGA Tour player after each round on the range for six hours or till dark. It's because some players really, like, go out there to feel a certain thing. Like, especially I, my favorite thing is when I see a tour player go out there and shoot, like, a 62 and then go on the range because they're trying to feel that same feeling that they felt on the course over and over again just to groove it in for the next day. And I think that's, that's, that is how I am. I may not prepare cram super hard before the tournament, but if I go to the first tournament, and let's just say I shoot, like, a mid-70s number, which keeps me in the running, not, like, super close, but I'm just, like, I'm there. I can have a good finish. I'm going to the range to perfect the couple things that throughout the round that I hit. I'm a perfectionist after the day because I see what happens wrong under pressure because your under pressure swing is completely different. You want to talk about what that like the under pressure swing? So, yeah. I mean, the under pressure swing, I, I get what you're saying. It, it is definitely different, but you have to think, like, as a golfer, every shot you hit into is the same. There's The, the circumstances, like, I've I've made putts for substantial amounts of money. Let's just put it that way. And the way you have to step into that putt is thinking the circumstances don't change here. 
nothing's different. All you have to think about is this putt has to go in the hole. That's what I think about on every putt, no matter if it's in a practice round, if it's in a big-time money scramble, if it's in anything. Whatever I have to do to get it in the hole, I don't care. I'm, I'm competitive with myself no matter what, so, like, no situation could put more pressure on me than I put on myself, so I don't. Yeah, no, and I, I hear you. But, like, when you're on the first tee, like, That's, especially, yeah. for me, when I'm on the first tee and I, take, I pull the driver back or whatever club I'm taking because we have shotgun starts, which I am I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of shotgun starts, but – when I'm on the first team, whatever club I have on the first team, I pull it back. I feel like I have, have an out-of-body experience and that I've never swung a golf club before. Granted, it probably looks good and looks normal to, to everybody else, but to me, I'm honestly feeling like I've never swung a golf club before. It's very different to be on the first tee, but a lot of that goes with, like, that's that's why Rich talks so much about routine. Because that way, when you're on the first tee and you have the nerves, you go through the routine and everything's the same. The circumstances still don't change. You still have to get up and hit a golf shot. So everything's... You're trying to keep it the same as often as possible. You're trying to keep it as close to the same all the time. Yeah. and But there are circumstances that change that. Right. And Rich is our, our college golf coach, by the way. He gives this nugget of wisdom to me because I was on, for me, a heater at the beginning of the season. And then I've kind of lost it. And now I have the biggest tournament coming up here um, this weekend. and I And seeing that I lost it, your coach is sitting there he's like how can I help you and we sat there and talked about it and we figured out that I need to get back to my routine and I need to be like a robot out there so I mean yesterday I played played golf with Blake and I was like a robot out there and I shot a pretty good number so I think that's kind of what I need to do getting back and moving forward and uh, we grinded kind of hard a little bit today on some putting and some chipping and tomorrow we're going to get back into a little bit different aspect of, uh, of the game playing some golf and see if we can go out and shoot a good number tomorrow yeah, I mean, you just got to keep everything simple. Like, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing in golf is making sure everything is the same, like, no matter what the circumstances are. Like I like I said, I play every, like, people in a scramble, if I play in a scramble, will tell me, you should never leave that putt short in a scramble. But I hit that putt the same way I would if I was playing in the Masters. Like, not that I play in the Masters, but I'm saying the same way I would hit it if I'm playing in my club championship. I'm not going to run it six feet by just because I'm playing in a scramble, I'm going to hit it the same way. I do I do it with every club. That is one thing definitely in a scramble that I, I don't always agree with is when you're putting last and you leave it short. Because granted, not, like nine times out of ten, the putts you leave short are on a almost near-perfect line because you really started off your line and you felt it out. And when you blast a putt by and you're putting fourth, people are more satisfied with that. It is very weird to me because when you blast it by, the line's totally different. Yeah. So, I mean, hit the line, hit your putt. If it doesn't yeah. go in, it doesn't go in. I mean, all you can do is – Wise man once told me, if you hit it with the right line and the right speed, it'll go right in. <laughs> that, yeah. So, that's I've lived my life by that since since he told me that. Yeah, so let's keep going on pre-round things and tips. So, I've listened to hundreds of different people talk about golf and what they do and pros. And, and I know you kind of know a little bit into this. What about meditation? Do you do it for golf? Do you do it in general? What do you think about it? Um, I do it a little bit in general. I should do it for golf because it is very relaxing, but I don't. I mean, I, I think it would work. I think it helps. So I, I would say to do it if you have the time, I think it would make sense. Get up 35, 40 minutes earlier than you usually would and just do it for 10, 15, 20 minutes. I listened to Scott Fawcett talk about the fact that Will Zell Taurus meditates for three hours a day. 
every single day. Yeah. I mean, it's a little different, but professional athletes do it all the time. Like, Justin Fields had a bad – well, he's had a lot of bad drives this year, but he had a bad drive in the uh, week two game against the Packers, and he went to the sideline, and he was just sitting there meditating, trying to block everything out so that he'd get back to his inner self and back to who he was and go be him instead of trying to do what everybody else thinks he should do. So that's that's a big thing with that. Yeah, and I think going on to another another thing I heard and I want to kind of expand more on is golf journals like or logs after your rounds. What uh, what do you have to say about that? I have one. Everybody should have one. Okay. Everybody should use that to figure out where they hit their bad shots. That's how you build your strength and weakness profile. See, I actually did this in school, so this is perfect. So you use the log of your round. Like, I used to log every single shot. Right. And wherever that shot went, I would log where it went so that I knew exactly where I was missing, how I was missing, why I was missing. And that is how you can build your strength and weakness profile. Like, that's how I realized this summer I'm throwing so many shots away around the green. And then I got, like, when I came back to school, when you came back, you noticed my wedge was better. Or, I mean, I like, a lot of people told me my wedge was better. So then I get further into the season and I realize I'm losing too many shots off the tee. I'm hitting it in trouble. I'm hitting it under trees. I got to punch out all the time. So then I realize strength and weakness, strength, wedge, weakness, driver. Go work on the driver more. And it, it's a constant battle of trying to find out because in golf you'll never catch it. That's what's so great about it. Like, you'll never catch it. Exactly. And I think right now our podcasts are so raw and very um, really raw to what emotions we're feeling right now because we're in the mix right now in a season of college golf, playing every day, grinding it out, going on trips every weekend, doing what we have to do every single weekend. And this is what we think about every single day, and we're in it every single day. So we try to figure out whatever we have to figure out to make our game better that upcoming weekend. And not to go off topic from the, the practice logs, so we'll circle back to that. But I'm just saying, like, that's kind of where we're at in terms of podcasts and, like, what we're talking about and how we get all this information and where we're coming from. So to circle back on the daily logs or the practice logs, are you saying – so would you suggest to do every single hole – like where your misses it, like where your misses are, or do you do, like if you make a par there, are you gonna go over? So, and I didn't have a daily like round log. I had a daily practice journal. So anytime, if I went to practice on the range, I would say, I would write down I was hitting this good when I was doing this, and then I was hitting things bad because of this or. My 7-iron was really good, but my 9-iron wasn't as good as I wanted to be. Contact was a little toey, whatever. And then uh, the next day I would go back, look through that, look a couple days before, fix, try to keep moving towards fixing those things. And like I said, it's just a big – you're trying to fit, like keep your strength sharp and build your weaknesses to a point where they become a strength. Like we have a good buddy whose wedge is so good and – I mean, he's a good player, so, but his wedge is so good, but his driver can get, it can go anywhere at times. But he's so good with his wedge that it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's that's like a really, 
really big thing to note. And that's, I think my strength is the distance I have in my irons and driver. Because when I hit my driver far, like left or right, it's not in play. My irons go so far that I'm hitting a shorter iron into almost every hole. So when I sky my driver, I'm hitting still like a seven, eight, nine iron in the hole into a long par four, which that's my advantage. And he's, he's talking about um, our good friend has such a good wedge that no matter where the ball goes on his second shot, or even his first shot, he's putting himself in such a good advantage to make a good score, no matter what on every hole, because he's not donating any shots around the green. You have to... That's, that's what I'm basically trying to say, is you have to build your game around your strengths. Like, my high school coach made me not hit driver because I had such a good iron game. Like, my iron game was my strength, so we used that to our advantage. Why would I, why would I even take a driver and put it in play... Whenever I can hit four iron and then have seven iron in, because that seven iron is going to hit the green seven times out of ten, and my misses were so small with it that it was, it was just pointless, like to even hit the driver. I mean, but then you start moving back tees, that's different. But when you have a strength, you have to play to it. You have to, like my strength right now is definitely my wedge and my putter. So I know that on my when I miss greens, I have to miss it small. Like I, I don't want to miss. I don't want the big miss. If I, if I miss it small, I give myself a 70% chance to get up and down. Yeah, and as we're going on about strength and weaknesses and you're kind of what's set up around you, I think that's something really to know about your game. And let's just say if you're a high school player, you're coaching high school, you're a college player, you're, co- you're coaching college, or if you're a regular person with a, a teacher, whoever your mentor is in golf, whoever it may be, you have to also note that, like, as Blake said, his high school coach would make him hit irons to irons, right? Know your strengths so that when, if you're pounding driver, don't put driver in the bag because you're also hitting your irons good. Because no matter what, the closer you are to the hole is the advantage you can get, and that's modern golf. And that's what a lot of coaches and people aren't fully adapted to is modern golf. Yeah. But for me, in high school, we took it out of play because it wouldn't go in play. So you needed, I needed something that could hit in play. Like... That was why I, that was why we did it. So you you hit. This is the best. This is really good advice that I've heard. Hit the club that can get you the the closest to the green and has zero chance of going out of bounds. Look, relatively zero. Every club has a chance, but whatever club can get you closest to the green and gives you a minimum chance of damage, like minimum chance of going out of bounds. Hit that. Use that. Yeah. And obviously it's going to vary with every single course you play. Yes. Because... Landing zones. Yeah, landing zones are huge, landing zones are small. And we played a course with extremely small landing zones this past weekend. And even if you hit it in your landing zone, there's a chance you lose the ball. Because that's the weather we're in right now. This is like fall weather. And these courses have leaves. And obviously right now things are like perfect condition for golf courses because it's done growing season and it's like perfect condition. But it is so hard to find the golf ball. So knowing where your golf ball is when it's hit, especially right now in this fall season, is huge. So I'd say that's kind of my take on strength and weaknesses and, and knowing your game. Know your game. That's, yeah, that's a big deal. Like, if you can't hit it out of bunkers, don't hit it in the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that is true. But, okay, so if you're faced with those uncomfortable situations where you don't know your game. Yeah. Yeah. in the rounds because there's obviously some shots that like no matter how good you are you're going to be a, a 
pressed with a situation where you're like, I'm in a bunker. I don't know how to do a bunker shot. Like this past weekend, I was sitting in a footprint fried egg lie. And I'm sitting there like, I can practice a shot a hundred times. I'm, I may never get it out of this, this lie. You have to get it out of the bunker. That's the first one. Exactly. And I ripped it thin into the bunker across. But then I was in a lie where I knew it was going at, like I knew it was, it was a normal yeah. bunker lie. I got it up and down for bogey. And I was like, I eat that because I'm sitting there looking at a Friday footprint because someone didn't want to rake their, their bunker shot last, like before me. It's probably me. It's probably Blake. He was in front of me. I'm not going to talk about it. It's fine. But now always rake your bunkers, fix your ball marks. Yeah, especially if you're in a tournament. Prepare your divots. It's just you can really screw people behind you for no reason. But I mean, regardless, that those are the things that happen. Golf is unpredictable. You can literally hit a perfect shot in the fairway, and you're sitting in a divot. You see it on tour all the time. And those are the best players with the most manicured golf courses, with caddies who do it for them, and they still don't do it. Nick just sucks. But. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, that's – make sure you're taking care of the course. That's that's a big deal. Like, don't don't damage the course. Yeah, but obviously that wasn't the topic. What would you do in uncomfortable situations? What is your, your thought process in a what situation? What would I do in uncomfortable – okay, so. You, got, you have to hit a cut. What are you going to do? I'm, <laughs> I'm very mechanical, so, like, I, I know what I'm supposed to do to hit a cut, so I will try to do that. But subconsciously, it just it's hard for me to do it. So like, if I have to hit a cut, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna weaken my grip and just hold, try to hold the face open as long as I can. And most of the time when I do that, I hit a dead straight ball, which I should probably try to do more often. I don't know why I don't, but um, I would just try to like if I have to hit a cut, then you gotta sometimes you just have to buckle down and do it. Like yeah, and, and we do it because it's fun. Because it's fun. That's why we do it. It's fun. <laughs> But uncomfortable shots. So say you are a, someone that hits a big cut, maybe a slice. Could be a slice. Might be called a slice. But um, and it's a dog leg left. So that means your ball goes right, but the whole shape is left. Here's what you need to do. You figure out how far it is until the hole bends that way, and you hit whatever club that is. That is how you avoid hitting shots you don't know, because you can hit a slice on a dog leg left no matter what. Is if you take a seven iron. You could take two slice seven irons and you're still in the hole. Yeah, and that's something that you gotta gotta realize. And there's holes when you, like, you're not attempting to make bogey. But there's holes in our practice rounds where I look at it and I say, I want to make par or better here, but I wouldn't be mad if I make bogey because that's this hole is not set up for me. There's other holes on the golf course that I have to take advantage of, the ones that are set up for me. That's why there are par fives on a golf course. Yes. That is why when people design golf courses, that's why there or golf itself, that is why there's par fives, and that is why there's par threes. Yeah. The, the par threes are hit, be hard. hit the green, get out of there. Like, yeah. If you miss the green, good luck. <laughs> but the yeah. par fives, you have to take advantage of those. You're going to have, I mean, outside of the crazy monster par fives, you're going to have driver, three wood hybrid, or and then a wedge like you're gonna have driver a longer club and then a wedge you could drive you could hit driver seven iron seven iron and if that's what you feel comfortable with but buckle down buckle down and hit the shot like it's 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 a wedge or a seven iron like figure it out (laughs) get it up there yeah you got three shots to hit the green give yourself a chance to make a birdie and the short ones you should if like 
if it's driver six iron or less into a par five, you should feel blessed. Yeah. You should walk away from that hole with birdie seven times out of ten at worst. Yeah. Unless it's number nine at Beckwood Hills because that hole eats my lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, all right, wrapping things up here. If you're a golfer, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. Um, I hope you enjoyed our craziest things and our most irritating things on the golf course. Do your practice logs every day. Get better at golf. Become the golfer you want to be. Blake hit him with the closing remarks. Yeah, do everything he said. Um, make sure, as as a as you're practicing, just figure out what is good and what's bad. That's that's very vague, but you'll understand what I'm saying as you get deeper into it. Because once you find out what's bad, you can become really good. Become the best golfer you want to be. Average at best is probably good enough. Yeah. Peace out. Later.